Well, let me welcome you here to the services. Uh, I want to invite you to take out your outline if you would. I want to give a special welcome to all those who are in our venue service today. Uh, those who are listening even in the wiggle room and uh, will be listening online very, very soon. If you look at the outline, you'll see that uh, we have an interesting topic. This is the last in our series called, How Do I Respond When People Say... And today we're looking at the subject, how do I respond when people say that Christians arrogantly believe all other religions are wrong? And I think the key word there is to look at the word arrogantly, because in the series we've really discussed the importance of, of caring and loving for people as we're having a relationship and as we're conversing or talking with them and not making them feel as though they're a project or not feeling as though we're putting them down with any sort of our knowledge or, or wisdom. And so it's not about, I don't think exclusivity <clears throat> really is the issue. I think it's more uh, a sense of arrogance or attitude that Christians may have when it comes to this topic or this subject. In fact, sometimes Christians have um, this bumper sticker on their car. Uh, God said it. I believe it. That settles it, right? Um, It's okay to say that. In fact, it's true to say that for us. But for others, it might feel as though we're, we're steamrolling over them and not wanting to hear at all where they may be coming from. And, and I'm not so sure that Jesus would have had this on the back of his Honda Civic as he was driving around in first century Palestine, right? Right? Which, by the way, WWJD, what would Jesus drive? Be, be, be interesting conversation to have, maybe another message series to have. But, but the, um, the perception by many outside of the church is that Christians make these arrogant judgments on all other religions and don't value or respect those of other faiths. So where do you come down on that? Where do you stand? See, if, if you were to have a conversation with someone at the mall or a golf course or talking in your neighborhood back in the 1940s and 1950s, uh, and you got onto the topic of religion or of, of faith, it would be much, much different than it is today. Back in the 1940s or 50s, a question would probably be, what church or what denomination do you go to? And they would be referring to, are you Baptist? Are you Lutheran? Are you Catholic? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Methodist? They would be talking about what denomination you are a part of. But today, the question is, what religion or what religions are you? Are you Buddhist? Are you Muslim? Are you Hindu? Are you Universalist? Are you Wiccan? Are you Jewish? Are you Unitarian? Are you Scientologist? Are you NFL? I I mean, what is it, right? What are you into? First day NFL, right? You got to kind of get that in there. Some people are worshiping today in front of their television sets, right? Right? But, it, but seriously, it moves from what kind of a denomination are you where all those denominations are Christian to what religion are you where Christianity is just one of those choices that you put out there. And we live here in America in 2015 in a post-Christian culture. In fact, America is probably recognized as the most religiously diverse nation on the planet. 
And so you see some of these types of things where uh, this game, Enlighten, um, says take a spiritual journey around the world and it has all these different religions that are in the game. Um, and, and Christianity is just now one of those options. Or, or maybe instead of the bumper sticker in God we trust, it says in goddess we trust. Some people have those here in America. Or, or coexist, right? Where you just kind of put all the religions together, and maybe that's a bumper sticker that you will see on someone's car. We all just kind of coexist together. Kind of reminds me of the Snickers commercial a number of years ago with her chaplain um, who's in the locker room for the sports team. And then there's a priest, and then there's another, and then there's another religious leader, and then Dalai Lama and others who are in there. And, you know, the tagline is, this might take a while, right? It's like we have to be political correct to get them all in there. And when we view it in that way, what has developed is the thought that all of these religions are now the same. And so you get quotes from, from music stars like, like Madonna, and, and that's Madonna, uh, not Jesus' mother, the Mary Madonna, okay? This is Madonna, um, the, the rock star. I, I go to synagogue, I study Hinduism, all past lead to God is the word that gets out there to all of her fans. And you can just go down the list. I mean, even Oprah Winfrey, reaching millions and millions of people every day on her television network. There can't possibly be only one way to God. So how do we respond? Is there more than one way? Do all roads lead to just one place? Well, let's go to the source. If we're going to look at what Jesus said, don't just listen to what I say about Jesus. Go to your Bibles. If you have it, John chapter 14. If you did not bring your Bible, we have a Bible right underneath the um, chairs for many of you. I think it's every other chair that we have here in the sanctuary. And if you don't have a Bible at all, you can pick one out on your way out uh, at the Next Step Center. We'd love to get that into your hands. But all the verses are on your outline as well. Jesus is conversing with his disciples. They're talking a little bit about heaven, the afterlife to come. And one of his disciples kind of stopped Jesus and said, You know what, Jesus? I'm not sure we know the way. How do we get there? Thomas says, How do we know the way? And here's what Jesus said to him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And in this claim, he is saying, I am, in fact, the Father. When you see me, you are seeing the Father. I am God in the flesh. And I provide that sin sacrifice to allow you to have access to him. So that's what Jesus said about himself. Look what some of his disciples said in the book of Acts, chapter 4. Peter and John are brought before a high priest. And when they're asked why they healed a crippled man and what authority they had to do this, they say, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we do this. He says, let it be made known there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be, what's the word there? We must be saved. No other name. So John and Peter claim that, stake their lives upon it. And then look what Paul said. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. 
says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And so you have these verses, which, you know, there's others, but it's why we as believers in Christ kind of stick to this thought, and you can see that now in John 14, 6, which we're going to put back up on the screen, that Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only through a belief in me. And when he says that, I know that can be hard for our culture to accept. And the problem with that statement is it really ups the ante. Because many people outside of the church who say, well, you Christians, you just arrogantly think you have the only way, which, by the way, many other religions kind of think the same thing about their way, but we kind of get pointed at because we make it exclusive. And, and they say, you know what? And, and beyond a, a shadow of a doubt, most people will say, Jesus did walk this earth. And most will say, you know what? He was a good man. In fact, some will say he was even a good person, and he was a good teacher, and he taught good things. But they fail to say that he was God, because if they said that he was God, then they would have to worship him as such. But here's the point. You can't say that he was a good teacher without saying he was also God, because he taught that he was God. And so to say he was a good teacher, you'd have to say he is God, because if that's what he taught about himself, then you believe that. So where are you at in that? I mean, there are all the other religions, these leaders, they claim to bring you to the one who is God. Jesus didn't say that. He claimed himself to be God. And so we come at that and we say, okay, do we call him crazy? Do we call him someone who's a lunatic and, and wild? Do we say that he lied about this? Or do we bow the knee and say, I understand what you are saying, and I claim you as Lord. Is he Lord in your life, or is he just a legend to you who lived a couple thousand years ago, and his teachings kind of stayed there? They've maybe leaked over into all these different churches that we have today, but he was really just kind of a legend. He wasn't actually the Lord. See, with the claims that Jesus made... And they were bull claims. They were claims that put him to a cross. They were claims that killed him. We cannot say that all paths lead to the same place because that's not what Jesus taught. In fact, look again at this coexist um, uh, bumper sticker that we see sometimes around town. You, you got a number of different kind of religions on there. You got the Islam there with the crescent moon. You got peace and bringing about world peace. You got this male-female thing, which is kind of a gay activist rights type of thing. You got the star of Judaism that is there as well. The next one over, you got the Wiccan or the pagan symbol. The next one is Taoism or Confucianism. And then you have uh, the cross of Christianity that's there. And as you look at all those different symbols, understand this. There's a huge variety of what they are saying. Some are saying that there's only one God. Some are saying that there are many different gods. Some say when you die, you're reincarnated. Others say when you die, then you go to heaven or you go to hell. Others will say that you need to worship God or worship Jesus as God. Others will say, well, Jesus was just a good person or a good teacher. Other religions up here will say, well, the goal is eternal nothingness in all of life. And others will say, no, the goal is union with God. 
And so you, you put all these different religions together, all those roads cannot lead to the same place because they are too different. They contradict one another. And the truth of the matter is, I would love it if we could say, no, all roads do lead to the same place. Everyone wins at the end of the game, right? You remember that game show, um, Let's Make a Deal? What, what was his name on there? Monty, Mon- Monty Hall, right? And, and he had door number one, door number two, door number three. And, and sometimes the people were so amped up that they were thinking they were going to win a new car, be behind door number one. They say, door number one, and what's behind there? What was kind of the, the, the booby prize in there? So there was a donkey there, wasn't it? What, wouldn't it be great if every time that we said, well, it's door number one, if the donkey was behind door number one, that they'd move the donkey out, they put the car in there so that when you opened up door number one, oh, you win as well. See, when you think about that type of a thing, you think, I mean, doesn't that actually insult us as humans, that, that we really don't have a free choice, that we really don't get to choose what we want to follow. I mean, you think you have a favorite team, right? You think you like the Do- uh, Giants, but you really like the Dodgers, okay? You all know that, okay? That's just the way it is, right? You think you like the 49ers, uh-uh, uh-uh, you're all Raider fans when it's all said and done, okay? Yeah, you don't get it till you. Yeah, I got one, one Raider fan up there, all right? Woo, yep, yep. There's always a few Raider fans who are vocal in the crowd, right? Always, always, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't get a choice is what we're saying by that kind of thing. See, I operate out of Genesis chapter 2 where it's laid before us the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God created you for a capacity to choose, to choose to love him or not to love him. In fact, Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy 30. Moses is sharing some words here with the Israelites. Repentance and forgiveness at the beginning of the chapter. And then he gets into this choice of life and death. And look at what he says here. Verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is near. It is in your mouth. It is, it is in your heart. So that you can do it. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if you... If your heart turns away and you uh, will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, Choose life. 
that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. There's a sense of God gives us free will. He gives us a choice. And I just have to say it in this way. It is uneducated to say, no matter what I choose, it all ends up in the same place. It doesn't matter. In fact, let me look at it in a little different way. Um, Let me ask the question, do all paths lead to God? If you are having that conversation with someone who, and I heard many of you say no, if you are having that conversation with someone, it could be interesting to take them through a little bit of this exercise that I'm going to take you through right now. First thing I would encourage you to do is maybe, you know, if you're sitting there in a restaurant and you have a pen, you want to draw on a napkin or on a placemat, or if you have a piece of paper in an office complex or whatever it may be, maybe draw a mountain. And at the mountain you draw, then put God at the top. Not to say that God is at the top of a mountain, but we'll just use the illustration. We know that God is anywhere and everywhere, but many people look at kind of climbing up to to reach God. And so as we put him there, that's the metaphor that we look at, then um, you could draw this sense of different paths trying to make their way up to God. And maybe down at the bottom, even putting down a couple of world religions like Hinduism, Islam and Christianity. And you can see that there are paths up to, and what the world would say, up to one place of God, that they all arrive at the same place. It doesn't really matter what you believe. But then you could possibly list some of the fundamental beliefs of each of the faiths. For example, and this is very simplified, but let me give you some thoughts. For the Hindu path, you would say that There are many gods, so it wouldn't just be God, singular up on top of that mountain. It would be many gods, in fact, thousands of them that they believe are in the Hindu faith. And of the person Jesus, they would say that he could be one of the many gods, but he's certainly not the only way to God. That's not at all who Jesus is in their faith. And then the afterlife think about, okay, what happens after we die? They would say that there is a reincarnation to pay off the karmic debt that you have in life, eventually becoming one with the impersonal Brahmin. That would be where the afterlife leads for a Hindu. And so just alone, you see, the mountaintop leads for them to many gods. Look at some of the basic tenets of the Islamic path. Again, very simplified. Um, They would say that there is one God. His name is, however, Allah. And that Jesus is not God's son, but that he is a prophet. And that the afterlife leads to a paradise or a hell But the salvation is based on weighing the good and the bad that has been done in your life over the course of your life. And so the Islamic faith would teach that you can go through life and you can work at it, you can work at it, you can work at it. But in the end, it's all up to Allah to judge if you are forgiven or not, if you have done enough in this life or not. On Friday, we remember 9-11. And what happened 14 years ago as some extremists flew two airplanes into the Twin Towers outside Pennsylvania and into our Pentagon. As those men flew their airplane into the Twin Towers, 
most surely they would have said, praise be to Allah, that their last duty, their last act that would get them into eternal life. So the mountaintop for the person of the Islamic faith would be God is Allah, different from the many thousands of Hindu gods, which is certainly different than the Christian faith, which we're going to talk about right here. Again, very simplified, that God is one God. He is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That Jesus is the Son of God and is the only way to salvation through Jesus, the sacrifice that he gave to us, the only way to God the Father. And then the afterlife would be, yes, heaven or hell. But it's not based on anything that we do. It is based upon having a faith in Jesus Christ and accepting that faith as that sin sacrifice for us. And so if you're looking at these different kind of religions and the way they work up the mountaintop, it would be interesting because some people will say, well, there are a number of similarities, aren't they? Yes, and, but what I would kind of label as they're leading up different mountaintops. And the lower teachings are much the same. There are a number of similar um, teachings. Um, For example, most of the religions will teach something about love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Buddha taught um, consider others as yourself. Those were his words. Of course, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And so many people point out, okay, aren't there some similar teachings? Yes. But as it goes higher up to uh, tenets of the faith you can see that the paths are very much varied. And when you reach the top of that path, it most certainly is just a different mountaintop. And so when we study world religions, we cannot say that all roads lead to God because there are so much different and contradictory statements of the faiths when you really get into them. And when it comes to the fundamental teachings of the various faiths, either they are all wrong or only one is right, but they can't all be true. Or another way of saying it is, they can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. I know this might get a little academic, but let me take just two or three minutes to to walk you through some of how the world religions have developed over time. I think it's good just for you to have a little bit of knowledge of this. How did all these come about. We can take a look at the world map and we see that the creation of man as recorded in Genesis chapter 1 was in this area of the world, what we'd refer to as the Middle East, kind of over there, Tigris and Euphrates uh, River, the creation of man and woman, Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 11 then, we study about Tower of Babel and how that dispersed and scattered people into various places and further as they move down even to the southern regions of, um, of Africa, we now see that animals and plants were equal to humans and worshipped in that way through some certain religions. And we see pantheism where it's everything is God and God is everywhere. We see Hinduism develop later on, 1,500 years before Jesus was born. Uh, And then shortly after that, Judaism came onto the scene where there's this continued belief in one God um, awaiting the promise of a Savior, which is where our faith kind of developed through. But we see others kind of extending into Taoism uh, and and Shinto in 600 B.C. and 660 B.C. Um, The Taoism is a mystic, uh, 
mysterious kind of Eastern type of religion. The Shinto is a religion that has to deal with a polytheism, many different gods. Then we see in 563, Buddhism comes into place in this area of the world, the next ring that went up there. And then we see Christianity coming into place, beginning, we say, in 30 A.D., because Jesus Christ was born around 0 A.D. That's when the calendar kind of shifted over on the birth of Jesus. And then around 30 is when he started his ministry. And uh, so that's why Christianity came onto the scene. The Roman Empire then came and dispersed ridiculed, persecuted the Christians, caused them to flee across the Mediterranean up into northern Europe. Um, Islam came into place 622 A.D. as things went south and east. Um, And then what we can be thankful of is that in the 1600s, missionary efforts came out of the uh, European region where into the North America and South America, uh, Christianity and the message of Jesus Christ was taken around the world. And what is very unique... And what is amazing is that the message of God's true love for humankind through Jesus Christ can be traced back to these different religions in these different lands. Please hear me on this. You can listen to a message. In fact, I I can't go into all of it, but down at the bottom of your outline on the back page, I put in here a message from May 4, 2014 called Jesus is really the only way to heaven. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? And in that message, I talked about how Jesus has been revealed in some of the ancient Hindu writings. He's also been revealed to the empire of the Incas. It's been recorded in history, written down. Uh, You can look in Scripture in the land of Canaan, land of Greece, uh, how those people even came to know of Jesus. And then the Africa Mbaka tribe amongst their people, They would even tell stories. In fact, let me read this to you. Uh, This is just one where they would sit around the campfires and they would tell stories about Korah, which is their name for the creator, how Korah sent word to our forefathers long ago that he has already sent his son into the world with something wonderful for all mankind, but later our forefathers turned away from the truth about God's son. And since that time, they have all longed to discover God and the truth about God's Son. Again, I don't have time to go into all of that, but in many of these cultures, you can go and you can see that God has prepared these cultures. He has given the message to them, and if you look into their history, you'll even see some of those places where that message has been written down. Scripture tells us God is always speaking to us. He's revealing himself to us, which is why this is one of my pet peeves. I hate it when we say we're taking Jesus to Haiti or we're taking Jesus to Africa. We're not taking Jesus to Haiti. Jesus is already there. He's just waiting for us to show up and share him with other lands and other parts of the world that have not had maybe as much exposure to the Christian faith. Because as I've said before, the God who prepared the gospel for the world is also preparing the world for the gospel. We just need to be obedient and sharing that word around the world. And so, real quickly, I want to go over these five ways that God has revealed himself into our land, into our world. And the first one would be that God has revealed himself through creation. He's speaking through creation. It says in Romans 1.20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived 
ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Creation reveals this, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. But you can also see that um, God has placed it on our conscience, in our minds, in our hearts. Look at Romans chapter 2, where it says, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts arouse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men. By who? What's the name there? By Christ Jesus. So even on their conscience, God has written that in their hearts. And that is not just for Christians. That is for Buddhists. That is for Hindus. That is for Muslims. That is for atheists. That is for Giant fans and Dodger fans and Raider fans and 49er fans and whatever else fan you are. That is for everyone that that is written there on our conscience. I wrote there's a sense also of conviction that brings us to God. A sense of conviction. It says in John 16 that the Holy Spirit is working in the world. What it says in John 16. And when He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So there's a sense of conviction that God brings. We know that what we're doing is wrong. We know right from wrong at our basic core. We're not made to live differently aside from God, and that is even in our convictions. Two more, God reveals himself also through human conversation. The conversation that is put upon our heart it says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because, and then listen to this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then lastly, I wrote down that Scripture shows us God reveals himself through the love that we can share and have in our communities in our communities, and specifically even the small group communities. We take this to model out of Acts chapter 2. That's why we do it here at our church. It says they devoted themselves to the teaching, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship that they had, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It says when they did that, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Again, it's why we have kind of this... this um, uh, get together the all church wide series that we have that's going to start up in a couple of weeks because we want to model that first century church. We want to be that. I will never forget when um, we started up our crosswalk service a number of years ago. Uh, a young man walked into the gymnasium, sat down, and began reading his newspaper on the back row. About 15 minutes before the service began. So I thought, I need to get to know that guy. Walked over him, just engaged him in conversation, found out he was here from Australia, was teaching on kind of an exchange program here in the United States, and was teaching in a local high school, and was invited to come to First Baptist by someone. He thought it would be good to broaden his horizons about American life and what American life is all about. 
So I said, okay, we'll take advantage of that. So we invited him on numerous retreats. We traveled with him. He came to our Bible studies in my home. For a year, we built community with him. For a year, we loved him and we witnessed to him. We revealed to him what Jesus taught and what he was about. Now today, some 13, 14 years later, I don't know if he actually received Christ as Lord and Savior. He did not say that to me, but I do know this. God's word got planted like a seed in his heart. And God's word does not return void. Amen? Amen. Those kind of things happen in community. And if you are here today and you are not sure about what this whole church or who this Jesus person is, I invite you, come be a part of one of those groups. And if you are here today and you are sold out, you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you want to grow in your faith deeper and help others come to know Jesus Christ more, then please come be a part of one of those community groups. You will not be sorry. You will not be sorry to sign up for one of those. In fact, if after seven weeks, if you say that you have not grown closer to Jesus and uh, you don't have a loving community of friends around you, then I personally will take you out to lunch on Pastor Derek's credit card and we will just have a great time talking about something else. All right? That's the promise. Sign up for that today. Be involved. Make a difference. Take those steps. Let me give you a couple last thoughts. When Jesus says, I am the only way, he's not being arrogant by saying that. He is just saying, I'm the only one who loves you that much. I'm the only one who, who, who died for you. I'm the only one who not only died, but lives now for you. You can go through and you can research all the founders of all those different faiths that we put up on the screen. Every one of those founders has their bones in a grave except for Jesus Christ. He lives today still. And because he lives, because his spirit lives in us, it makes a difference. These are not just words on a page, but these are words to take in and to read and to live out. They make a difference when the rubber meets the road. Last night, uh, there was a group of you who came to watch a video, Nefarious. It's exposing some of the sex trafficking that's going on in our world today. And even here in our city of Stockton. It um, was not an easy movie to watch. It was heavy. It was dark. You could see the life that left some of the eyes of the victims and what they were captured into. And even some of the pimps who were the Johns who were controlling that, kind of the, the mafia, so to speak, over some of these young women who have been forced into sex life all around the world, all around the world. I mean, it was dark, it was heavy. It was about an hour and 20 minutes. About an hour and 10 minutes of that was dark and heavy. The last 10 minutes is where the light of Jesus shone in that video. And you could just see, you, you, as people were interviewed and who had been involved in these activities, you could see their faces and the darkness in their eyes and the joy had left. But then when they started talking about Jesus, when they started talking about the forgiveness that they felt because of what Jesus did for them, when they started talking about how Jesus had lived and now they believe in him, they follow him, they trust him, their faces just shone up like you had never seen before and there was an incredible light that just shone across that film. <laughs> 
that is the hope of the world. Because even when you look at the sex trafficking issue, as horrendous as it is, they, the experts will say you cannot legislate to stop it. You cannot put law enforcement to stop it. Religion cannot stop it. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is what stops it. And you may not be on that end. You may not be on that far end of going down that road with the sin that's involved in all of that. But if you've sinned once like I have, then we have all sinned and we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not arrogant to claim Jesus as the only way because that's what Jesus taught. He didn't just teach it. He backed it up by going to the cross for you. He backed it up by rocketing out of the grave for you. And Christian, when you believe that, you can be rock solid in knowing that. But my prayer is that you might have a love when you share that with others. That you might have an openness of listening to other people of where they are coming from. But then you share truth because truth is truth. And Jesus shared that truth and it still rocks our world today in 2015. And I know there are literally hundreds of you already here who accepted Christ Lord and Savior. You've already been baptized. You know the path that you're on. I'm going to ask you now to pray for those who have not yet taken that because there are some of you here today who have not settled that decision in your own hearts. And we can't go another minute without asking you. Today's your day. You get to choose. It's not forced upon you. Today's your day. You get to choose. So why don't we pause Let's pray. I know prayers are going all over the sanctuary. If you have not received Christ yet, would you pray with me as as well as everyone else? Would you pray with me now? God, your word is so powerful and so strong. It is so contagious. It is so true. And God, I know there are hundreds of people who have claimed and staked their lives upon the fact that you are their Lord and Savior. That you came to this world, to teach them, to die for them, and to rise again to show us new life. And Lord, we worship you. We worship you because of that. But Lord, we also know that there are many in this room who have not yet made that decision. And today, if you cannot say beyond a 100% shadow of a doubt that you have made that decision, then I want to give you that opportunity right now. By the power of the Spirit that worked, that raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus offers you new life. I don't care what you have done, what you have been involved in. Forgiveness is available to you. Lordship, his leadership in your life is available to you. Today, if you have not received Christ as Lord and Savior, the words to pray are something like this. In your own heart, you put them in your own words. They would say something like this. Jesus, today... I want to receive you by faith. I believe that you were a man who came to this world. God himself in the form of a man. Who lived a number of years ago. Who taught, who died, who rose again. And went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And so today I receive you by faith. I confess in my heart. I believe. And on my lips now, I'm just going to say, Jesus, if today, if that is you, just pray those those words. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, we make a U-turn. We now follow you. 
don't follow our own ways. We don't follow other religions. We don't even try and climb that mountaintop that leads to us on top of the mountaintop. We are not God. You are. And so, Jesus, today, we commit our lives to you. Folks, if you're in this room and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've already made that profession of faith, just pray for people on your left and your right, up and down the aisles. Because today is the day that some, I believe, have made that profession. And if you'd be so bold, for any of you who have made that prayer, if you would just look up at me, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just look up at me and just lift up your hand, just raise your hand to say, Pastor Brad, today I made that profession for the very first time. Today I'm part of the family. Are there others? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Are there others? Up in the balcony. God, thank you for what you have done even in here. If there be just one, that they are now a part of your family. Folks, those of you who made that decision, if after the service, if you would come and talk to me or with your friend, if you would go out to our Next Step Center, we have some information we'd like to give to you. We want to help you take your next step. You've just prayed to receive Christ in your life. Now we want to help you take steps on how to live that faith out. God, thank you for so many believers across this sanctuary who have said yes to you, and now more who have said yes. We praise you, we worship, and we thank you. God, you are our true healer. You are the one who brings life to this world. You are the one who heals our souls. And so even now, as we sing to you, we give you praise. Claim you, and only you, as Lord and Savior. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray.